So, Rob, I am about to be an uncle. Mazel tov. Yep, my brother-in-law's wife is about to give birth tonight. Tonight? Oh, wow. Yep. You know what I'm going to like most about being an uncle compared to being a father? What? It's not going to take me an hour and a half to put his kid to bed. <laughs> Responsibility is what I'm talking about there, Rob. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, having a kid who's in prison. You know, you only have to see him a couple times a year, and really anything makes him happy. Yeah, mostly cigarettes. It's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance. Adventure. Mystery. Anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello, and welcome to the show that usually ends. Another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I am Rob, and I'm joined tonight by my favorite clone of Richard Dawson, Alan. How are you, Alan? I'm ready to kiss. <laughs> Anybody, <laughs> anywhere, anytime. <laughs> oh, that's the Dawson I know and love. Um, well, Alan, we got I got a nice one this week. Uh, this week we have a tale of naval adventure, and it's from Mammoth Adventure Magazine. Uh, from November 1946. Don't undersell it now. <laughs> Mammoth Adventure. Um, it's called Convince Me, I said. I like their uh, sister magazine, Sabretooth Tiger Adventure. <laughs> Did not sell very well. No. Interesting thing about Mammoth Adventure is only three pages long. Very misleading title. Um, this one's by Craig Ellis, whom of whom I know nothing. Uh, no, me neither, but, uh, I did see that this story has been done in audio drama format online by the Pulp Paris Theater, uh, hey. who has, I don't know, music and sound effects and talent. I don't know if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> well, sweet. Also, they have a radio station mod for Fallout 4. So, Rob, I know you're a dirty plebeian who likes Bethesda-era Fallout games. Maybe that's something you'd be interested in trying. That's awesome. Uh, shout out to Pulp Puri Theater. Let's, let's do our reading of this story because it's now time to grab a drink and curl up in your favorite chair while we read you this week's tale. We were sitting in the shade, leaning against a building, and looking out across the waters of the Tompkinsville Navy Yard to a ferry that was coming to Staten Island from Manhattan. We weren't talking much, because it was too hot to talk. Too hot to talk was the name of the 1-900 sex talk line I ran back in the 90s. Our callers were very confused. Well, that's just confusing, Alan. Well, I thought it was a winner. 
People call up and you're just sitting on the other line sweating. It's not cool. Uh, it wasn't cold too hot to sweat. <laughs> it was almost too hot to live on a day like that. A one and a half striper came walking down the dock to some PCs that were tied up near us. Mm, finally, an adventure told from the perspective of the non-player character. <laughs> I want to know what that goblin thinks about us. <laughs> hey. It's a... No, 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 I got nothing. Oh, really? Um, you don't have a bit about being a goblin in a D&D <laughs> character adventure module? <laughs> Somehow I don't. a goblin passes you. Hey, I'm a goblin. Nice to see you guys. Let's pass by. This is why they don't make them characters, Alan. Okay. I'd seen him before and knew he was the skipper of the nearest of those PCs. I watched him go aboard. The way he turned aft to flick a salute to the ensign. Oh my. <laughs> Get a load of his midquarters. I wouldn't mind striking his top gallants. Hold on, that's not the way you say it. You say... Striking his to gallants. To gallants? That's how you say it. Ooh. Me hearty. <laughs> Ahoy, mateys. And he'd taken no more than three steps on deck when a rating came over and hauled down that repeater they fly to show the skippers ashore. I felt sorry for that rating, having to get up in that heat and pull a flag down. And for what? Just to run up somebody's underwear and... Free their carriage of this damn suffocating fabric. Sorry, it's it's too hot today. It's not the right day for Henleys. I'll tell you what, though. It's a good day to put your, take off your underwear, put it on a nice flagpole, and then oh. run around the quad. Mm. <laughs> so. Maybe it's a nice day for you. For what? I asked this guy who was with me. What for what? He asked me, that poor guy, I told him, stretched out, having a fine time until his old man showed up, makes me glad I'm station duty. What are you talking about? He asked me. Tradition, I said. Tradition in this man's navy. Now why should they haul the repeater up and down all day just to show the old man's gone for an ice cream cone or he's playing gin in the wardroom? Whoa, those are some pretty complicated flags. <laughs> It's no wonder I flunked out of semaphore school. You need eight flags just for uh, playing gin in the wardroom. I majored in triangular ones. Oh, it's like a sports management degree. You're, you're never going to get a job with that. For what? Even them little PCs. They got so much tradition stowed aboard. It's a wonder don't drag them down to the bottom. You against traditions? He asked me. Not all of them, I said. Not payday and liberty. And save the date cards. How else are they going to know not to make plans? Fine. Fine. It's practical. <laughs> but you can have the rest of them. What are you making faces for? I'm for them, he said. All of them. Especially mistletoe-related ones. Not enough of those. You just for them? Or you got a reason? I asked. I get the best reason in the world, he said. I'm listening, I said. I can see by the way your ears is quivering, he said. Somebody's saying. Somebody cannot stop saying. 
there's a lot of he said, she said in this story. A lot of he said, he said, I said, they said. <laughs> I'm for traditions because one of them once saved my life. And I know two more guys feel just the same way for the same reason. Convince me, I said. Sure, he said. And he told me a story. If the sailor told you a story about finding a yeti on an iceberg, turn to page 35. If the sailor told you a story about the true meaning of Christmas, turn to page 59. What's interesting is on both pages, you die from frostbite. <laughs> that is interesting. Seems like a short choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> a lot of repeats in that one. It wasn't, wasn't a good one. Not as good as the Magnum PI ones, at least. For reasons of security, he said, I will not identify the exact location of this action I am about to relate. Although it does start with Ostra and ends with an Ia, so I think my ass is covered. <laughs> you got a lot of two options. <laughs> but one has more water than the other. Mm. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Just, uh, it's next to some place called New Zealand. Shit. <laughs> oh, this is why you never got that government clearance, Alan. <laughs> yeah. I will merely indicate that it took place somewhere between the Carolines and the Solomons. No, that's because my neighbors didn't like me, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I still love reading those interviews, though. The things they said. I will merely indicate that it took place somewhere between the Carolines and the Solomons, west of both of them, and at that time deep in Japanese waters. We were a little convoy trying to sneak through to one of our advanced bases. We had a few four-stacker destroyers and a light cruiser to protect maybe 20 freighters. I was just a few weeks out of boot camp, and I was aboard one of those freighters, part of a seven-man gun crew. We called ourselves the Seven Seamarais. It was a long voyage. Seven and the Ragged Sailors? No. No? No. Not a Duran Duran fan? Uh, yeah, not me, but this guy, definitely. <laughs> the gun we had would have sunk our ship if we'd ever got to fire it. I figured we'd captured it from the British in the War of 1812, and it still wasn't friendly to Americans. Anyway, in those days, we didn't have to know much. <laughs> no kidding, he doesn't even seem to know Canadians burned down the White House. <laughs> this foolish man. They taught us only three commands. Ready, aim, and abandon ship. Wait, seems like they're missing something for, uh, for a gunnery crew. They're, they're ready, then they aim, mm -hmm. and then they abandon ship. Right, that's. I think that's the, that's the joke, see. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm. Hey, Rob. Uh, yeah. You know what's um what also has a few historical details wrong? Hmm. The song in the Navy. <laughs> it was a rugged life. It got more rugged pretty fast. Our fourth day out, just before sundown. A flight of 21 Japanese bombers spotted us. The next thing we knew, they started coming down. The convoy scattered, and it was every ship for itself. 
the destroyers started zigzagging, and they had the speed to make it work. But this tub I was on could do maybe seven knots running downhill. She had an old skipper who'd come back to the sea from some cabbage farm. And what does this old sea dog think he can do? Perform marriages? <laughs> Technically, yes. Maybe mm. not learn new tricks? Can you can you go ahead there? I'm sorry, what? Can you proceed? Oh. He think oh. <laughs> he thinks he can learn new tricks. Wow. <laughs> that guy is real funny. That's what I was just saying. This guy should have a podcast. He sees the way the destroyers are going, and he decides to do a little zigzaggery himself. Well, maybe we should have zagged when we zigged. Or rigged when we should have shagged. Or shagged when you should have ragged. The sailors lament. <laughs> the next thing we knew, we had two heavy bombs aboard. One took the bow, and the other sliced off the stern, and the middle went for the bottom like an anchor. When I looked around again, I was floating. A few hundred yards away, I saw two guys climbing aboard a raft, so I decided to pay them a visit, even though they weren't Navy, but a couple of deckhands from this freighter. I made it just before dark, and there I was, safe in body and mind, but very lonely except for these two guys. Who were a little bit clicky, you know, original rafters, and here I was, the new guy, and, you know, I had to... Make my introductions. and It's just awkward. Yeah. Do you think they had to, like, uh, raz the new guy? Some kind of new initiation ceremony for the raft? Yeah, I do think that, Rob. <laughs> I've thought long and hard about what that initiation ceremony would be. Oh, interesting. I bet our audience would uh, enjoy listening. It involves drowning the third guy. <laughs> there's not much else to do. Resources are light. Yep. What was left of the convoy scattered and was out of sight before I got to the raft. There wasn't even smoke on the horizon in an hour. If the destroyers came back later to hunt for survivors, they never came out our way. We were orphans right from the start. And we stayed orphans. Well, you know, after you get to be a certain age, you stop looking cute in a little sailor's uniform. No couple really wants to adopt you anymore. <laughs> Just get sad after a while. That little outfit doesn't fit well anymore. <laughs> it's the same outfit. <laughs> yeah, it's the same one. Well, you can't afford anything more. You're an orphan, Rob. No, you're an orphan. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah I get it. <laughs> Orphans don't have tailors. <laughs> oh, that's a that's an old an old adage. I never really knew what it meant until now. Thank you. We had some food and water aboard and some gadgets like fishing tackle and flashlights, and we figured we'd be picked up pretty soon. But we weren't picked up. The days went by, and the raft went wherever it wanted to go. Mostly in the direction of more water. <laughs> yeah. It was rare that it went into land, or I, I would have noted that part. Would have been, would have stuck out to him. So noteworthy. Sometimes it went so fast, it looked like it had an appointment someplace. And after the first week, we didn't any of us know what ocean we were in. It kept getting worse. 
these two guys with me hadn't never shipped out before, and they didn't even know the sea was salty. We ran into some rough weather one night, and most of our food went overboard, because I trusted them to make the stuff fast, and fast was the way it disappeared. <laughs> Don't I know it. I have four hungry boys. And here's a little trick, okay? Uh -huh. Boil up a big mess of spaghetti and uh -huh. just dump the cardboard box in there with it. Don't even notice. Keeps them regular. <laughs> this has been another little life lesson for an Interrupted Tales podcast. Go ahead. Throw the cardboard box in with your spaghetti. I don't feel like you should take credit for my tip there, Rob. Well, I was just repeating it for the audience. Right, but I mean... And I came up with it because I was the last person to say it. Mm. This, uh, this podcast. <laughs> what was left didn't last much longer, and then the water gave out. It was desperate, I mean to say. We had some poles aboard they wanted to use for oars, if they knew where to go and cared to row 500 miles, and I used those poles to knock down an albatross, and once we stunned a little shark, it ate its belly while the tail was still kicking. I've had fresher. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I know a guy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know, but uh, there's a little, uh, there's an underground restaurant that, uh, it's kind of like a speakeasy. You got to get called. You wouldn't get called, but uh, oh, wow. very fresh. Very fresh. Well, I, uh, I've only ever had canned sharks, so um, hmm, I guess uh, one of us is better than the other. Okay, well, I didn't want to say it but uh you know according to the podcast rules i'm better than you <laughs> damn these podcast rules about every fourth or fifth night there'd be a squall and we'd catch rainwater in our shirts and pour it into the cans we had and that's how tang was invented though later they added sugar and orange flavoring and removed the sweaty shirt for economic reasons tang oof Whole new meaning there. That's the meaning. That's why they named it Tang. <laughs> and every day that South Pacific sun would rise and bake us crisp before noon. And every night we'd shake with chills and fever. We had blisters the size of coffee cups all over our bodies. And barnacles started growing in our beards. I think the needle might have swung back from harrowing tale of sea survival to elaborate prank story <laughs> i wore one guy as a hat for a week or this guy's was really embarrassed he went and, and did cupping and has so. to explain <laughs> hey what's uh what's with these pancake size uh little things all over your body oh the, the barnacles <laughs> no what yeah i've been uh i've been lost at sea for several weeks you have pancake-sized barnacles? Well, you know, out in the big, wide blue, they're, uh, they're bigger than life, I tells you. I don't think you know what barnacles are. I don't. <laughs> they're pronounced barnacles. Oh, the great barnacles. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That's who they're named after. Yeah. They, yeah. The Greeks knew a lot. Uh, that's Roman. <laughs> barnacles is Roman? Yeah. It's okay. Roman, Rob. Fine, you you know you you know a guy who feeds you live shark, and you know all about Roman stuff. Great, you're better than me. I'm better than you. 
Then, the fourth week we were out, we had another blow, and the rafts started breaking up, and we kept it together by using our clothes for line. Luckily, we'd all just come back from Coachella, so we had a lot of fringe and tassels to work with. Yeah, but not a lot of fabric. No, but it was, you know, crocheted tightly, so, <laughs> you know, that's good cordage. The fifth week was the hungriest, and that was when these two guys started to break up worse than the raft. DJ Khaled thinks that it's pretty good cordage. <laughs> if there's anyone who knows how to survive at sea, it's DJ Khaled. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Although, I don't think he would eat raw fish. I hardly got any sleep at first, because I was afraid of the skinny one. He used to look at me all day and ask me how much I weighed. Oh, calorie counting, I've been there. You put one tablespoon of blue cheese dressing on a human arm and suddenly it's 5,000 calories. It's nuts. <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not even a fried arm. It's not worth the points, Alan. After a while, I figured I was safe because I didn't weigh enough anymore. So I slept a little until the other one tried to slide overboard. And after that, I had to watch him pretty close. Yes, because they were after the... Secret of the golden treasure I had buried under the raft, but what they didn't know was that the raft had moved a lot. Fools. <laughs> You're not going to find the golden treasure. have to admit, it's a pretty crafty plan, Alan. I know. I know. <laughs> I need water. <laughs> When the sixth week started, I finally got ready to tell myself I wasn't going to get saved. I might have dived over myself, but I didn't have the strength to stand up, and I didn't like the idea of just rolling off. I agree, that's sort of undignified. And I will never forget his final words, shit my beer, whoops. <laughs> never forget it because it went viral on YouTube. <laughs> Man gets eaten by shark after reaching for beer. After that, I lost track of the days and nights, and when I could think a little, I tried to figure out just where we might be, just for the sake of thinking about something. I knew we were finished, but I wanted to know where. They'd taught me a little something about stars in the Boy Scouts, and I'd try to work them out. Well, they're not a GPS. Guys, look. Look, the Southern Cross. Oh. Oh, that's not helpful, Patrick? Well, I just eliminated half of the Earth, Patrick. What have you done lately? <laughs> not a bowel movement. <laughs> no, but for some reason, a lot of puppet shows. Uh-huh. They were getting bored. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gotta do something. Hmm. But every time I looked at the Big Dipper, I'd think how nice it would be if it was full of beef stew. And it almost drove me crazy. Then came the day we spotted the sub. Party size. Stuffed with meat and just dripping with Italian dressing. And oh, oh no, I'm sorry, Vincenzo. No, no, I, I can see how it would looked like I was about to bite your thigh. I, but what happened was I just fainted mouth first. It's kingdom for a sandwich artist. It was late afternoon, and I saw it laying way off against the horizon, 
running due south on the surface and heading towards us at an angle. I'd learned my lessons, and I knew from its silhouette that it was an American sub, and a big one at that. The closer it came, the crazier we went. We were half blind from the sun, and more than half deaf from the sea pounding our raft, and we, but we were sure they'd spotted us, and we thought we'd heard the guy in the conning tower yelling at us. Hey, bigger ships have right away, assholes. <laughs> Where'd you get that raft, Lake Havasu? <laughs> what? It's like an 80s uh, comedy. Again. Yeah, no, I got it. I got it. It was that close. Oh, what would be the name of that 80s comedy? Uh, let's see. Uh, Keel Holland. Boat Boys. Salty dogs. <laughs> One crazy league. Some kind of capsizing. They're getting worse. Yep. <laughs> it was that close when it submerged. That's what it did. It submerged when it was no more than a mile or so away. And that was the last we saw of it. Did I say we'd gone crazy just seeing it? Uh, yeah, common reaction to down periscope, sure. <laughs> uh, it's not Sinbad's best film. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> it's no Shazam, Alan. You can imagine how it was with us when that sub just nosed under and vanished. At first we thought it would come back, that it had ducked under for a good reason. But when it had started to get dark, and that sub still hadn't showed up again, we knew what the score was. It hadn't seen or heard us, and it had been close enough to have smelled us. So there it was. The end. Finished. Mm, okay. <laughs> oh, there's more words. There seems to be more, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Once again, a story has lied to us. I lay on my, I lay on my back and looked at the stars and wondered if I would be alive the next morning. I was crying like a baby half the time, and cursing myself for having asked for the Navy when I went for induction the rest of the time. The Navy, I kept yelling. The blankety-blank Navy with its blankety-blank sea, and its blankety-blank tradition and chicory in the Java, and 13 buttons on the pants, and piping the Admiral aboard. <laughs> chicory in the Java. <laughs> oh, chicory in the Java. You know... That reminds me how I would have killed a man for a beignet or a donut or a share of his flopping shark belly meat. <laughs> Sorry, that's actually just a little inside joke me and the other survivor have together. <laughs> the the one other survivor? A what? Uh, just 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 one one other survivor, right? There's me and the other group of survivors. That includes a number of persons. That number being one. Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> I really spoke my mind that night, what I mean, and then it hit me. The big idea, I mean. The hula hoop. <laughs> you know, for kids. They say necessity is the mother invention, but they don't put a lot of restrictions on it. <laughs> There should be some. Why had that sub gone under? 
Why in the blankety-blank-blank had it picked just that time to go under? There was only one answer I could figure out. It was based on a Navy tradition about subs. Hold on, let me think. Um, Oh, it's bad luck to open the windows. Huh? (laughs) See, there's a case where tradition is good. Yeah. The tradition was that no sub crossed the equator on the surface. You hear that? You understand what I'm saying? I figured that sub had submerged because of the Navy tradition about submerging when it crossed the equator. And for some reason, I just said it again. (laughs) And that meant that we were sitting right smack on the equator. Vincenzo, start paddling straight east and one of these months we'll hit Ecuador. (laughs) I kept looking up at the stars and thinking about the equator. And suddenly, I let out a yell that was louder than any of the yells I'd let out that day. And some of them had been loud enough to kill fish in a radius of half a mile. I figured I knew where we were by looking at the stars and placing us at the equator. Mm, Here's my guess. The ocean. (laughs) I haven't quite narrowed it down to Pacific or Atlantic yet, but (laughs) I'm going to get there. That's tough. I got on my knees and shook those two guys with me and yelled at them until they understood what I was saying. Could be the Dead Sea, but I feel like somebody would have seen us by now. Feel like uh, you know, the Dead Sea's fitting, because weren't there three guys on that raft, Alan? Uh, I don't believe I mentioned the number. Oh, uh, okay. let me just scroll back up and see if I didn't mention the number. Okay, I um, yeah, I remember something about two guys and then another guy. Huh, what well, was I, the next sentence that you were gonna say? I was telling them I'd figured out a group of islands we were near. And I grabbed one of those poles and used the flat ends for oars and made them take the others. And then we rowed. Hard and put up wet. I don't know how fast we rowed, but we had a wake. And I don't know how far we rowed, but by morning we saw land. We hadn't had the strength to raise our eyelids the night before, but hope is what did for us, and prayer didn't hinder any, I guess. Not scholars of the Odyssey, I see. (laughs) Also, I like the... uh, didn't hinder us, I guess. I don't know. Well, I think there was this whole book about how it hurt a lot. <laughs> Took a very long time. Very short time, right? Very short period of time, right? Uh, no, I think it was long, but I maybe we read different Cliff Notes versions. I read the Sparks Notes version, so... Oh, okay. Seemed pretty short. When I said I knew there was land just ahead, they didn't know enough not to believe me. And that's what saved us. So don't go knocking down tradition when I'm around, he said to me. There's a bona fide case where tradition saved three lives. Three, yes, yes, three. That's Mm. the number of castaways I stated at the beginning. (laughs) Mm. You're not NCIS, are you? You have to tell me if you're NCIS. Three, huh? Are you Zima? I don't know, am I? Are you Proby? I'm Proby, yes. Okay. Who's the one in Are the, you Fez? The sweaters. I shook my head and made a clicking noise with my teeth. And I asked, and it was really land. American land. Nah, he said. It was just a lost little island nobody cared about, but it had trees and coconuts, and birds, and turtles, and we lived there six weeks more before a Catalina spotted up and took us off. 
I heard later somebody call it something like Galapagos or something. I got to tell you, we ate so many different types of birds and turtles. And by the end, the whole place was nothing but bones. And we also took the bones and burned them and ground them up just to have something to do. Galapagos? Yeah, Galapagos. Galapagos, yeah. Known for its biodiversity. What? No, it definitely isn't. <laughs> if it was a lost island, I said, how did you know about it? I didn't, he said. I was crazy. For trying? I went so nuts when that sub disappeared. I just couldn't think straight anymore. But I didn't know that. I really thought I could navigate, lying on my back on a raft and reading the stars. But if it hadn't been for that sub... I'd never have thought of the tradition, and I'd never have thought we were at the equator, and I'd never have made them row. And if it weren't for my horse, I wouldn't have spent that year in college. (laughs) (laughs) If it weren't for my horse. (laughs) Uh, We'd be fish food in the 15th generation by now. But, I said, if it wasn't for tradition, that sub wouldn't have submerged, and you'd been saved right then and there, without that wild piece of luck. Nah, he said. We found out about that later. When we told our story to naval intelligence, they checked their subs, and the place we'd been at the time. We weren't anywhere near the equator, not any nearer than 200 miles. What? I said. Then what made that sub submerge just then? Well, uh, an order from the captain, I suppose. I'm not super familiar with the chain of command on subs. I'm more of a guy that hangs around docks. (laughs) It's good work if you can find it. I cover the waterfront. (laughs) I don't know what I cover it with, but uh, I I cover it. You're not sure? Every day. Now they give me a bucket and I just spread it around. Everybody's baby. They told us that later, he said, after they checked. It seems they'd spotted three Japanese planes way up, and they crash-dived before the planes could come down to take a poke at the sub. We were so blind and so deaf, we never even knew those Japanese planes were around. Hey, hey, does that look like three planes to you? That's Ryan's belt, idiot. Now get rolling, we're only a couple miles away from Reno. (laughs) This is like week 17. <laughs> Back to Lake Havasu. <laughs> I tried to say something, but I couldn't make it. So don't go knocking tradition to me, he said. I'm the living proof of the value of tradition. Got anything to say now? You convinced me, I said. Oh, no, that's a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Oof, what a what a tense story of survival, Alan. I've got chills. Yeah, definitely there were survivors. The number's not important, Rob. 
Really? I'm a little fuzzy on that, actually, because I remember at one point there were three, and then there was only one other survivor. Mm, Well, who knows what vagaries of the life at sea and, you know, counting. I think the moral of the story was never tell a sailor when he's had too much seawater to drink. (laughs) All right, yeah. But that about wraps it up for this week's episode. I hope everybody will tune in next time. For another exciting Interrupted... I can't wait for the many follow-on stories. There's a Convince Me she wrote. Convinceception. I know I wasn't convinced last summer. Um, my cousin convinced me. Wait, there were three guys at the beginning. Tail! Tail!